we are on the clock. Well, please, uh, if you listen to this afterwards, if you have any comments, you can either email us or lacerate us on the uh, website. We love it. I mean, it's to be expected. It is the interwebs. Great. I'm I'm Joe. And I'm Rob. But we are the contrarian fanatics. (laughs) (laughs) It's the perfect time of year. Okay, and as always, everybody, you can catch us on www.contrarianfanatics.com. If you want, if you agree with the stuff we're saying here today, or if you disagree, just click on the contact us link and contact us, or you can comment on the post on the website. And Rob, I gotta warn you. I hope you brought your A game today because I'm I'm playing injured, man, and it's only gonna make me look better if, if I come out strong. I got the allergies today, so I'm, I've got the allergy medicine going through me, and then I try to do five miles a day. I try to do five miles a day on my uh, the Gold Gym exercise bike. And I tried to keep a 15 mile per hour pace on that thing, and I was feeling a little bit uh, feeling better than I should have today, and I was pushing it, and um, I, I felt something pop, I felt something pull in my leg, so I'm playing injured on that on that front as well. Well, first, did you get did you get a sponsorship deal with the Gulfstream exercise bike, or <laughs> are you getting some revenue that I don't know about? No, it was Gold Gym. I want to put that out oh, there for everybody. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> just the way you popped that in there, like, yeah, I was on this, but it wasn't just I was on the bike. I mean, yeah. so it'd be like me saying, you know, I was I was running down the East Ithaca Recreation Trail the other day, and uh, all of a sudden, I mean, I felt a little kind of, uh, I came up, I I, did, I wish I had pulled a hammy. I, my right Achilles started hurting, and it was, uh, I don't know, I'm playing a little hurt, too. I'm just old. Well, just I think old. We're, all, we're all getting old. But well, let's talk about, uh, I want to jump right into... This is the NBA segment, but it kind of makes sense to talk about Coach Calipari when you're talking about the NBA because that's where all his players end up going anyway. Um, I wrote a piece on Contrarian Fanatics yesterday about, you know, it's time to give John Calipari his due and his credit that he doesn't get. I know you're kind of on the opposite side of the fence with that, but if I look at, if you just look at the on-court achievements and you ignore the, I know it's hard to ignore, but if you do ignore the violations and the vacated wins and, and his personality, to be honest with you, because his personality could get on your nerves. But the wins that haven't been vacated, I mean, he's still up there. He's still got a – it's a very impressive resume. And I just like the – I like the, the style of coaching that he's taken, especially recently, the last five, six years or so. He – you can't point to one team and say that that's his style. He um, he gets these players. He, he brings in his players every year. He reloads. He evaluates the talent on that team, and he plays to the strength of the of their greatest strength. He plays to that greatest strength. So he might have a team this year like that was defensive oriented. Everything ran through Davis, uh, creating shots off of um, defensive stops, getting out in transition. Next year, depend on because you know Davis is leaving, and whoever comes in to replace him, if they've got a different strength and that's their greatest strength, he's going to build the team around that strength. And I don't think that he gets enough credit for that. I think a lot of people just look at the the negative stuff that swirls around him, and and none of the credit comes, but all of the all of the negative comments and all of the, the snarky comments do come in abundance. Well, if only you could take away him bitch slapping uh, Kevin Millar's glove in the 2004 ALCS, and if only you could take away the fact that he's a pompous jerk and that he got busted for. Uh, having performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, A-Rod's a pretty compelling figure, too, but you can't take away those things. Um, and I don't think you can take away Calipari's 
vacated wins. I think that's huge. That not not just that he has vacated wins. That's not even the part that bothers me that much. The thing that would keep me from sending my kid to play for him is that there was no accountability on his part for those. As soon as the sanctions came down and that he was gone, yeah. he was on to the next thing. And so for me, it's fine. You make mistakes. I mean the. I mean, you look at what's happening at Syracuse with, with all the drug thing and the Fab Mello and, you know, Bernie Fine, whatever. You get into the whole thing. I'm not so sure I'd send my kid to Jim Beheim either just because he's even said he cares only about basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's not who I'd send my kid to. Um, but that's a good point with Calipari and changing his style because that's the one thing that uh, it just seems like Beheim is unable to do. It doesn't matter. If he had the athletes to play man-to-man defense, he's going to stay in that zone no matter if uh, Wisconsin's shooting at like 70% from the arc. So, I mean, I get that point, and, it's a, and those are some valid points. I mean, he is, when it comes to being a basketball coach, he is, uh, X's and O's and adjusting, is it's really impressive. Unfortunately, college basketball is not just about that, especially with this new uh, minimum amount of kids having to graduate, which I hope gets really strict even though it'll hurt our team Syracuse yeah I, th- I think it needs to be there I, I understand that when a kid leaves early that that scholarship is void for the whole time he's supposed to be there in today's climate where there's kids and it's tougher than ever to get funding for college I really don't like the idea that that those scholarships are drying up for that time and it's not usable I think it's I think it's a shame well, well, there should be a place for kids who decide they want to go. This Austin Rivers and Dion Waiters and uh, the original Were Rabbit Fab Mello all going into the NBA draft. These are not these are not NBA lottery pick players, in my opinion. No, uh, they may get picked in the lottery. That doesn't mean they're lottery draft players. And it's it's just a shame that a coach's son, especially somebody who I kind of see Doc Rivers as kind of an astute, you know, level-headed guy, isn't getting in his kid's ear to, to play another year in the ACC and get a little more seasoning. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, and the thing with Austin Rivers is um, he's just not ready to go. And that's why I hope – I saw where David Stern said that they're going to be looking more into the changing the age requirement for the, for the minimum age for the draft. I hope they get into that because they, they're talking about raising it to 20, I believe. And – with the, you know, a lot of people call the one and done rule the, the Calipari rule, but that's an NBA Players Association rule. And the problem is, you've got the whole basketball landscape is just watered down because you've got kids leaving college that aren't ready, so they're watering down the NBA. Then you've got um, the kids who are actually good are leaving, and they're watering down the, the, the college level. So you've got a guy like uh, Anthony Davis who really, I mean, he's an athletic freak. He's a freak of nature. Can you imagine him four years in college, like the, the stuff that he, he could do? And now you've got, it's just a watered-down basketball landscape right now. And if they, I feel like if they brought, if they did implement that 20 years old or bust rule, at least you would have players develop for two years. It would lend a little bit more credibility to the to the college game, and it would limit some of these players like, Austin Rivers coming out early to the NBA when he's not ready. He's got he doesn't even know what he is. He doesn't know if he's a point guard or a two guard. And a lot of people that I talk to get on me because I'm all about the Thunder this year. I think they're going to win it all. But you've got Westbrook on that team, and people are like, "Well, you like Westbrook? How can you? You know, it's kind of a double standard. He doesn't know what he is either. He's not a true point guard." 
But Westbrook knows he's a facilitator that has to shoot. His team is better whenever he shoots. Austin Rivers is undersized, can't play defense. He's an electric scorer, but he's not an NBA player yet. And I think that that minimum age rule is only going to help the entire basketball landscape, not just the college game or the pro game. Well, Deion Waiters is an electric scorer, too. The problem is is that that speed that had him blow by Big East talent yeah. is not going to get him by NBA talent. No. He really needs to tune his game. And it's players like him and Rivers, and even more Waiters, who's who's a really good player, probably the best pure athlete on the, the Orange this year. Mm-hmm. But he's not ready as a basketball player to, to reach his full potential. He, he gets by on his physicality. And, and it's the depth players that are killing both sides of the coin. They're getting drafted. They're taking up a slot on the team. They're not in the rotation in the NBA. And then they hurt the college game. So it's, it's just a double dip. And one more thing on Calipari. He, he is not responsible for the rule, but he has embraced it. Yep. And, and the problem is, is that he's very smarmy as he is with everything about, hey, it's not my rule, you know, I mean, his post-game press conference, and he's just very flippant, and um, I just, I personally don't like the guy. I just I just look at him, and uh, the only thing that comes to mind is, is douche nozzle, you know what I mean? He just, I don't I don't like him, and, and this kind of bleeds into the, to our second topic today, speaking of don't like him, which is Dwight Howard and his desire to be a leader. Yeah. <laughs> You wrote a piece about that this week. You want to talk about it a little bit and your problems with, with a guy who I get that you used to really admire and like, and you've turned the corner on him. You've kind of LeBroned him. I, I did. A couple of years ago, I thought that his was the next great personality in the NBA, which is something I think has been missing. I mean, when you go back, we were talking about this a little bit off air with the, that 1990s to the early 2000 era. You've got the... You know, Barkley's out there with their big personalities. Magic Johnson was a huge personality. Jordan really didn't have a personality. He was more manufactured, but he was he was great. Um, Dwight Howard had that it factor, I felt, a couple years ago. Um, and this is another guy that could, could have benefited from that 20, uh, the 20-year-old 20 age limit. Maybe he could have matured a little bit in college because it was last week at the end of a game they were getting, the Magic was getting blown out by the Knicks, and Dwight and Jameer Nelson were at the end of the bench just talking amongst the, amongst themselves and chatting and, and just giggling with each other while Stan Van Gundy, the coach, is trying to hold a timeout. The whole team is huddled, but the two supposed leaders are sitting down at the end of the, the bench. And Jeff Van Gundy called him out on the air, which was, which was great because this is a guy that has professed his desire to be a leader. If you want to be a leader, stand up and join your team in the huddle. Because if you want to be a leader, you need to be visible for your teammates. They need to look at you and and know that you are the leader. And then he also goes on this rant a couple weeks ago about how he wants to be a closer too, when just a few nights after that timeout fiasco, he's wide open under the the basket with three, four seconds left in the game. It's a two-point game. Jameer Nelson passes him up down low in favor of a three-point jump shot by Turkaloo because Jameer Nelson knows if he passes that ball to Dwight Howard, they're going to foul him. He's going to miss both foul shots. The game's over anyway. If you want to be a closer, do what you have to do to improve your game. Put in the work at the line. That's not going to make you a liability at the end of a game. Well, i got to tell you, four years ago, Hito Turkaloo would have been a good option. What what happened to that dude, man? I don't he know. He became a free agent, and didn't he go to Toronto? 
Yeah. He went to Toronto because they had a Turkish community there that his wife liked and then was miserable from day one. Yeah. There was no basketball in his decision at all. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I'm all for, you know, like worrying about your family, but, I mean, come on. The, well, he, the, the Turkaloo would have been a good option, but still, I mean, if you're wide open under the basket and your teammates are, are just, they're not even going to pass you the ball, that means, yeah, you know, but, you got to make, you got to make improvement. I, I'm admittedly, I'm not a, a big uh, NBA honk there. So I, whenever I saw clips of Dwight Howard, like even his little shtick about changing into the booth, you know, yeah. for the slam contest, it, it came off to me as manufactured. It was, there was nothing pure and like it came from him. You could just almost tell his agent came up with it. Yeah. It wasn't from him or, or some or one of his friends or part of his entourage. It just, I don't know, there was something about that image of him coming out that was kind of, you could tell it wasn't his idea. And um, so I've, I've never really been a fan. After I read your piece about him sitting at the end of the bench, and as you put it, giggling. Yeah. While the rest giggling. of the team was getting together to finish out the game. Uh, that's ridiculous. I, I don't, when some, first of all, when somebody says that, he wants to be a leader. I just know he's not a leader. Like, leaders don't say, I want to be a leader. They just go out and they do the things that need to be done. So it, that would never come out of their, you know, come out of their mouths that they, I, I really want to be a leader, really right. badly. Like, no, no, no. No, if you, if you want to be a leader, then lead. And if you want to be a closer, then put in the work in the gym when the cameras aren't on you to become a better player and, and to stop being a liability at the end of the game. Because you're not going to be a closer if you can't make a free throw. There's a reason Kobe was the closer on those Lakers teams and Shaq wasn't. Yeah, coffee's for closers now. <laughs> um, Tippy-toe. Tippy-toe. Let's talk about something that we didn't really cover on the site at all this week, but it's something that I've been seeing in the, in the news, and it's, all these pending free agents now are talking about how they, where they want to go play. Jason Terry was vocal about wanting to go to Miami. Steve Nash had said he wouldn't rule out Miami. And the Steve Nash quote is the one that got my attention because he hasn't brought up anything about playing anywhere else so far. But I think I'm going to give Steve Nash a pass on this because I'm, I'm a huge Charles Barkley fan. And back in the day, whenever he left the Suns, first of all, I've n I haven't always been a Suns fan. I followed Barkley to the Suns because I was just a – with the NBA, I don't really have allegiance to teams like I do with the other sports. I'm more into the player. And so whenever Barkley went to the Suns, I just started watching the Suns. Same and whenever, Well, whenever he left, I didn't follow him to the Rockets because of the rivalry that the Rockets had with the Suns back then. And I kind of begrudged him on that. I didn't. I really was hoping he didn't win with the Rockets because I didn't. I couldn't stand them. But now he's been retired for so long that I get tired of hearing people put down Chuck because he hasn't won a championship. And I don't want the same thing to happen to Nash. Nash is a two-time MVP. He's got all the extraordinary. He's got a, a awesome resume, and I can just hear it. Ten years down the road after he's retired, well, he never won a championship. So I don't think I'm going to get as hard on Steve Nash as I as I got on Barkley whenever he left and went to the Rockets. I hope he doesn't end up in Miami, but Steve Nash to me has earned the right to go out there and try to get his championship because he has stuck. He has been a true professional with his contract situations, and he doesn't. He's not out there making these demands and whining and crying about teams not getting better around him. He's been a trooper, and he is going to be a free agent. I feel like he's earned the right to 
kind of chase that championship if just to shut the critics up and spare the rest of us from having to hear how he would have been great, but he never won a championship. Well, you can almost understand the criticism of a point guard <clears throat> more than a power forward because they kind of control the offense a lot more. Mm-hmm. So he's got the ball in his hand a lot more than Chuck did. Uh, what a terrible fit he would be in Miami, if only because both Dwayne Wade and LeBron James need the ball in their hand to be the best they can be. Right. And so if if he thinks going there is, is a good idea, then I would kind of look at him like uh, in, a, in a lesser way just because it doesn't make any sense. It, it, from a basketball standpoint, you have to look at that as a point guard and say, no, 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 we need a Mario Chalmers there because Mario Chalmers – can knock down threes, but he doesn't need the ball in his hand. Um, right. I think a fit for, for Nash that wouldn't bother me would be going back to Dallas. That would be interesting. Because, because he was there because Jason Kidd is done. I mean, that yeah. dude is just done. I watched a little bit of a game last week, and wow. I mean, it was like looking in the mirror as far as how he was moving out there on the court. <laughs> it, was, it was sad. He was so dynamic. And now he is so not. Yeah. And and it's just, it's sad. And Jason Terry's talking about going to Miami. I mean, come on. No. Dude. I mean, at what point, who, how far down does this have to go? Like Brian Cardinal starts talking about where he wants to go. <laughs> Start following this. The custodian. Steve Nash custodian. would be a, I think, I think Steve Nash would be a great fit in Dallas. Dallas. That's a great point. Because as unathletic as Jason Kidd looks right now at his age, Steve Nash looks at least 10 years younger. He looks great. I watched a couple games. I've always liked Steve Nash. I love I love the pass first in his game. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes people give him a hard time because he passes up wide open shots, <laughs> you yeah. know, to, to make an impossible pass. But that's, that's what a point guard's supposed to be. And um, I, I would love to see him in Dallas. I'd love to see him and Dirk make a run at a championship and – mix in somebody else because they have all that cap space. Hopefully get rid of Vince Carter, who is another guy who just is just a sad, sad shadow yeah. of who he was. Uh, it's really pathetic to watch him out. I mean, it stinks because, you know, he used, used to watch him just explode, and now it just you see it like it fizzles to the rim, you know? Yeah, and if that's if he goes to the rim. He's just hanging back, shooting fadeaway jump shots now. But Steve Nash still dropping about 12 assists a game. You know, he'd be a good fit in Dallas. Let's give our, our pick. Let's go ahead and give our, with the playoffs approaching, let's give our picks for the NBA championship for this season. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, Memphis, Memphis. Grizzly. Just because they play the type of D that you need, you need to be able to play uh, to win. And I would really just like to be able to see a NBA championship montage with Mark Cones walking in Memphis playing in the background. I think that would be... Just the thing to bring in uh, a different demographic to watching the NBA. Okay. okay. I'm I, know. Go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch enough. I just, you know, I, I can't pick. I know you, you're probably going to pick the Thunder. I can't pick them due to the fact that I have always loved the Seattle Supersonics, and I just do not like the way that the owners did Seattle wrong. And so I, I just find it impossible to, to pick them, even though I do like the way they play basketball. That's who I'm picking. I'm taking the Thunder. I just think they're uh, they're the most dynamic team. They can match the Heat, who a lot of people feel are are going to win the championship. They can match the Heat athletically. They can run with the Heat. 
they can defend. Last year, I felt like they were one veteran player away from having a solid locker room. I think they've got that, that veteran player in Derek Fisher now. And I just don't see Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook being stopped during a seven-game series against anybody in the league, and that includes LeBron and Dwayne Wade. So I'm going to take the Thunder. That includes Mark Cohn's favorite team, huh? Yes, it sure does. <laughs> Suede shoes and I boarded the plane Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues In the middle of the pouring rain W.C. Handy Won't you look down over me Yeah, I got a first class ticket But I'm as blue as a boy can be Then I'm walking in Memphis Walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis